Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. You can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 5. So you see in verse 17, it says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, and brought them forth, and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. Verse 22, it says, When the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Verse 25, it says, Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Right, now he's answering the question, really, about them. They asked, didn't we, didn't we uh, charge you not to teach in this name? And Peter says, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. And, and uh, here again, you know, Peter, Peter and the rest of the apostles, uh, they're, very, they're very honest about what their intentions are. They are not going to obey any command from, from these authorities to stop preaching in the name of Jesus because they know that what they're doing is in obedience to God. And understand that when it comes to authority, the Bible calls on, on believers to be subject to those that are in authority. And, and, you know, to respect that authority when it is used properly. In fact, go over to Romans chapter 13, verse 1. says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. 
right? And so there's, there's higher powers, there's lower powers. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. You see, it describes there how every power, every authority is ordained of God. It says the powers that be are ordained of God, right? And God has set up different, different authorities. Um, these, these religious leaders here and, and political leaders at Jerusalem, they have some legitimate authority from God. But nothing in, the, in this passage of Scripture should be taken to convey that, that uh, in any way human authority can trump God's authority. Right? Just like within different human authorities, you're going to have different levels of authority and you obey the higher rank, not the lower rank. Uh, if you have a command from God to go and do something and some man tells you not to do it, you do what God said. Okay. Now it describes here uh, the, the ideal for how authority ought to be used. It ought to be used as a... It, it ought to... Uh, it says it ought to praise that which is good, and it ought to revenge what's evil. That's how authority ought to be used. Here we see a case, rather, where instead of the, the uh, power being a terror to the evil works, we see the power trying to act as a terror to good works. They're trying to use their power to uh, get these disciples to cease preaching in the name of Jesus. And so the, the responsibility there of those disciples is to disobey that command and disobey that order. That's a, an important thing to keep in mind. There, there's, uh, if you remember at the end of the, the Second World War, there were trials of Nazi officers uh, for various war crimes. And many of them, their defense was that they were just following orders. Now, that was not a, a legitimate defense at the Nuremberg trials, and it's not a, a legitimate defense before God either, uh, that you're just following orders, unless it is that you're following the orders from that highest power. Okay, And, and uh, if Peter and the disciples here were to stop preaching and say, well, we were just being subject to authorities, God's Word taught us we ought to be subject to authorities, um, that would be something that, that would be disobedience towards God. And just always remember that when you're, you know, when you're weigh, weighing these various things. Uh, understand Peter and the other disciples here are not just being, they're not just being rebellious toward the authorities that are there. It's just that those authorities are giving them commands that they cannot follow without disobeying God. Right? And so as they weigh those two authorities and they weigh their responsibility to be subject to the human authorities and their responsibility, on the other hand, to be subject to God, God wins out. Um, you know, as, as you, again, as you hear about, there's been many 
recent stories in the news from various other countries of, of just terrible persecutions of, of Christians. And there are Christians around the world that are in countries where the governments, you know, literally uh, seek them out to, to uh, kill them, put them to death. What's their responsibility? Uh, is there responsibility to be subject to the, the human powers of that government, or is there responsibility to be subject to God, whatever may come? And, of course, it's to be subject to God. And here, Peter and, and these disciples, they know what could be the consequences of their their uh, disobedience toward these earthly authorities. They saw what they did to the Lord himself. They know what the consequences could be, but as they weigh it out, they say, we've got to obey God rather than man. And that's the attitude that the believer ought to always have toward various authorities. Yes, you ought to be subject to authorities, but at the same time, if that authority comes into conflict with with um, a command of God, you follow what God says and take whatever the consequences are. Here, here, Peter, you know, Peter and, and the disciples, they don't make some case before this council. They don't make the case that they shouldn't be punished or anything like that. They just say, we've got to obey God rather than man. This is the truth. And, and they do, in a sense, while, while they're not willing to obey the command to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, they do submit themselves really to these authorities to do with as, as they like. Uh, whatever the, the punishment is, Peter and the disciples are willing to suffer that in order to remain true to, to what God has told them to do. And so they once again preach Christ to them. They once again uh, condemn them for their crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they once again tell how, though they were trying to just get rid of Jesus, they were just trying to, to do away with him, God has resurrected him, has exalted him, and, and given him this, this uh, exalted position. And so, so you see how in verse 32, back in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, verse 32, Peter says, We are his witnesses of these things. So is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Uh, Peter, Peter mentions the Holy Ghost there. And understand that the Holy Ghost is working through these believers as a, as a, uh, a witness there. Um, there's, as he mentions the Holy Ghost, there's, there's kind of a reminder there. Now remember that the Lord Jesus Christ had, he had said that he had to go away so that he could send another comforter to them, which was the Holy Ghost. And he had also warned them. He had said that, that if somebody blasphemed him, if they blasphemed Jesus Christ, you know, God the Son, if they blasphemed him, it could be forgiven them. But if they blasphemed the Holy Ghost, Christ said it wouldn't be forgiven them, neither in this world, neither in the world which is to come. Right? So, so there were people who blasphemed the Lord Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry that could later become believers and, and have eternal life. But if somebody blasphemed the Holy Ghost, 
They were making a, a decision. They were crossing a bridge where they could never cross back. And that person who blasphemed the Holy Ghost was never going to become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, was never going to receive eternal life. And so in mentioning the Holy Ghost here as being a, a witness, as these, as these authorities are rejecting the witness of, of Peter and the disciples... They are ultimately not just rejecting the word of those men, they are rejecting the word of the Holy Ghost himself. And that's a a very dangerous thing for them to do. Now, uh, certainly the the high priest here um, seems to have already made up his mind. That's not necessarily true of all of the council. And notice, notice what the result, though, is of Peter's words in verse 33. It says that they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. And, you know, it's interesting, back, back in Acts chapter 2, when, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, it talked about people who were pricked in their heart, right? They had this, this you know, this prick of... of uh, really the conviction of the Holy Spirit there as well, in their heart. And there they ask, what must we do to be saved? Here it says they're cut to the heart. Peter's words here don't prick them in the heart, in the sense that that, uh, the people on the day of Pentecost were pricked, but they're cut to the heart. And their response is not to say, what must we do to be saved? Their response is to take counsel to slay them. By the way, you see the same wording used later on in in, um, chapter 7 at the stoning of Stephen, where it says that they're cut to the heart, and likewise they they, uh, um, kill Stephen there. And, And so you have that contrast between being pricked, in the heart by the preaching of the word of God, something that, that you know, brings somebody to, to belief, and being cut to the heart where they just, you know, all the more go on in their unbelief and, and seek to, to do away with the people that would even testify the word of God to them. Now, verse 34, again, notice that that the council is by no means unanimous in this regard, right? And in verse 34, it says, Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Now, remember, the high priest is a Sadducee, and and the Sadducees seem to be the ones here that have made up their minds and they're they're taking counsel to slay them, to to slay these disciples. Gamaliel, however, is a Pharisee. And it's possible that some of that tension between the Sadducees and the Pharisees may be coming into play here. As the high priests and the Sadducees want to kill Peter and the disciples, uh, here a Pharisee, the opposition party, stands up and, and says, well, maybe we ought to rethink this. Now, Gamaliel is a very important person. For one thing, what you know about Gamaliel from the scriptures is that Gamaliel has a student that we haven't met yet here in the book of Acts, but we will, named Saul. Gamaliel is a a Pharisee. He's a rabbi, a teacher of the law, and he has a, a very prominent student named Saul who comes from the city of Tarsus, uh, who later is called Paul. Now, at this time, Saul is still in unbelief, 
but he's learning. He says that he, he learned at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a, a very prominent rabbi in his own day, and even today is a very prominent rabbi. You know that the, the uh, Jews study the Talmud, and the Talmud has um, its, its commentaries by rabbis. It's been added to over the years, and it's, it's commentaries by rabbis on the scriptures. And they look to uh, a, a lot of these older rabbis for a lot of opinions about what different passages in the law mean. And there are certain historical rabbis that are very, very prominent, and Gamaliel is one of those. Uh, Gamaliel has been estimated by some to be the, the third most prominent rabbi in Judaism. Uh, probably the most prominent rabbi is a man named Hillel. And Hillel, um, there's a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of universities. There will be a, a Jewish, a Jewish uh, society there that will have a Hillel house. Okay? And Hillel is this, this prominent rabbi. And Hillel was a, a, a relative of Gamaliel. All right, Gamaliel is considered even today by some to be the third most prominent rabbi in all of Judaism, and certainly in his own day was a very prominent man. So for Gamaliel to stand up here in the council and, and say, you know, wait a second, let me give you some things to think about, this was somebody that people paid attention to. And so this Pharisee Gamaliel stands up, it calls him a, a doctor of the law, and it says he was had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. Um, that's, we might say, give them, give them a little room, give them a little space. That's, that's what he's going to counsel here. And Gamaliel says in verse 35, it says, He said unto them, Ye men of Israel... Take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Theudas, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and they drew away much people after him. He also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. Uh, now here from Gamaliel, you see, you see somebody, I mean, there's nothing here to indicate that Gamaliel is actually a, a believer, but you do see some, some wise words, even here from somebody who apparently is an unbeliever, regarding how to deal with these apostles. And, and you can see even just in this account how somebody like, like Gamaliel, with the things that he says here, could be somebody known for, you know, known for just his, his human wisdom. Um, here, Gamaliel, what he says is, he says, look, we've had, we've had these popular movements before. We've had people who claim to be somebody and, and, you know, start to draw people after them. And the result was, he talks about this Theudas, and he was eventually slain, he was killed, and the movement just fell apart. 
Um, he talks about this Judas of Galilee who apparently led a tax revolt. And again, you know, after he was dead, the movement just, just fell apart. Here we are, uh, just a short time after the Lord Jesus Christ has been crucified. And that's who he's, he's referring to here. He's saying, look, their, their leader's been put to death. And if, if history is any indicator, these kinds of movements, when you put the leader to death, the movement just kind of, kind of, falls apart, right? And, and so what he says here is he says, look, if, if it's possible, if it's possible that this is from God, then we wouldn't want to be in opposition to it, right? If, it, if it's from God, uh, we don't want to risk being in opposition to it. If it's not from God, it's probably not going to go anywhere anyway. So Gamaliel just sort of says, let's, let's kind of wait and see. Let's see what happens. Um, he doesn't want to be found fighting against God. Um, and, and if it's not from God, he says it's just going to kind of fall apart. And Gamaliel uh, has that kind of, a, kind of a, a tempering effect there on the council. Before Gamaliel stands up and speaks, it seems to be like a lot of people want to put these disciples to death. Gamaliel stands up and speaks and uh, the result is, verse 40, it says, To him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And, you know, the, the Lord, even in, even in the Old Testament, he had told Israel that if they, would, if they would follow his word, he would give them favor even with their enemies. And here, as, as Peter and these disciples are standing before a council that is, by and large, their enemies, uh, you, you see how uh, they, they aren't really in danger of their lives here. I mean, I suppose theoretically they are. But even under the circumstances, here you have a man like Gamaliel that stands up and asks for them to be given some, some extra room, some space. And, and the council is swayed by that. Now, they do still try and, and, you know, hinder what they're doing. They beat them. Um, they command them again that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. Now, again, uh, pretty much the disciples have announced what their intention is. But, uh, you know, they take these steps again and they let them go. And I want you to notice what the attitude of the disciples is as we come to the end of chapter 5 here. Now, they've just been beaten. They've just you know, stood before this council, uh, been beaten and let go. And verse 41, it says, They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, when you come against opposition, persecution, um, you know, somebody who was your friend doesn't want to be your friend anymore because you talk to them about Christ, uh, or you face opposition in your workplace, or you face opposition from, from government authorities or whatever it is, uh, look to the example here of these disciples. You see, you see what they did? They didn't get all down about the fact that... that uh, you know, they just were beaten and, and had to suffer for Christ. It says that they, 
were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. If, if the Lord Jesus Christ suffered, then believers in him are going to suffer, right? The servant isn't greater than his master. And what, the way they view that, that shame and that suffering is not as something, uh, not as a, a, you know, a thing for them to be, to be depressed about and, and upset about. They rejoice that they were worthy to suffer shame for his name. They rejoice to, to suffer shame at the hands of the world for Christ's name is, is not a shameful thing to the believer. It's something that the believer can rejoice that they were counted worthy of. Do you see that? See how it turns that right on its head? The intent of these, of these authorities in beating them the, the intent was to hinder them, to keep them from that ministry, so that they'll think next time before they speak to anybody in the name of Christ, because they might get beat again, and there's even the danger that they might be put to death. That's the intent. But you see what the result is for these believers in Christ? They rejoice about it. Not everybody is worthy to suffer shame in the name of Christ. They were counted, they, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer in that way. Um, again, you know, living where, where we live, you have to work sometimes to find some persecution, right? Certainly you would have to work very hard to find the kind of persecution that, that brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering in many other places in the world. Uh, you'd have to work pretty hard to have that. In in some ways, that persecution, those those beatings, I I would I would guess that probably uh, nobody here has probably ever been beaten for teaching in the name of Jesus Christ, right? The disciples viewed that as as that was an honor to have that. In some ways, we've been deprived of that. So it seems like a strange way to think of persecution, doesn't it? But that's the way those disciples looked at that persecution. And so the persecution they received caused them to go on rejoicing all the more. And you see, you see where they go. I mean, in the temple is where they, where they got picked up. It's where they got arrested the first time. Um, the angel lets them out of jail. They go back to the temple. They get arrested again, brought before the council. And they let them go. And where do they go? They go to the temple. It says daily they're in the temple. Every day they're in the temple. And they're in every house. And it says they cease not. There, there wasn't even a, a, you know, a period of time where they had second thoughts. They didn't cease at all to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And that ought to be our attitude toward the, the preaching of God's word. Just that, that quiet uh, persistence when it comes to God's word and and you know you don't have to worry a lot of the a lot of churches today again are trying to like put on this big show to to bring people to hear the word and again a lot of times they never actually get to the word part because they get so wrapped in, up in the show you see the disciples they didn't have to create a big show they just went out and preached the word of God and the show came to them Right? I mean, the, the council were the ones willing to provide the show. They were the ones willing to, to, to draw the attention to it. They just went out and faithfully preached the word. And when opposition came up, they went and preached the word again. And, and um, that, you know, that's not something just for, just for pastors and preachers. That's something for every believer. 
Uh, you have people in your life this week that you could go and share the gospel with and, and you know, show them how they could have eternal life from God's word. There may be some persecution that goes along with it, but maybe you'll be counted worthy to suffer sh- some shame for Jesus' name. Let's um, have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these things from your word. We, we uh, thank you for the, the strength that you provide to go through persecution. We, we pray that we would not fear what might happen to us if we were to, to uh, preach your word to others. We, uh, we pray that we wouldn't fear that shame, but as the disciples did, count it, count it uh, something or rejoice to, to be counted worthy of suffering that shame. Uh, we pray that we would have the same kind of persistence that they had and, and uh, every day be seeking to share your word as we have opportunity. And uh, we just thank you for this encouragement from your word this morning. And we thank you in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.